Hello and welcome to the Euro What, episode number 143 for the week of February 7th, 2022. I'm Ben Smith and I'm joined today by Mike McComb. Hey Mike. Hello. We are a pair of Americans trying to make sense of the Eurovision Song Contest and this week we'll be talking about an overwhelming amount of streaming content. So much content. Oh my goodness. So much content and unfortunately Mike, my petition to the uh, International Olympic Committee to make synchronized streaming an event has gone unnoticed for the second time in six months. So I will be aiming for Milan 2026. So hey, Italy. Yay. Yeah. (laughs) They're winning again. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of combinations of laptops and various Apple TV apps. And sometimes both at the same time. Two different browsers because I needed to use VPN for a little bit. My computer didn't catch on fire. So that that was a plus. Gave it a couple of weeks. Uh, I have seen the calendar. Lots to lots to talk about, including we have hosts. We have hosts for Turin. Yay! And there are three of them, a reasonable number. Hopefully this is the start of us, like, not adding additional hosts year over year. Mm-hmm. We were going to head into Eurovision stage violations at that point. You cannot have more hosts than, you, than people on stage. It just doesn't work. Uh, but our three hosts for Turin are Laura Pausini, who... Fun San Remo Connection won newcomers in San Remo 1993. She is a judge on the Mexico and Spain versions of The Voice, as well as Spain's X Factor. She's performed multiple times at Vina del Mar. We love following the different musical competitions now, so she has faced the monster and succeeded. Also notably, she co-wrote EOC with Diane Warren and was up against Husevic at the Oscars last year. Yeah, when I was looking up her resume. She's like, why does this name sound so familiar? And that popped up. It's like, oh, of course. All right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Just like all those things. Supporting her as co-hosts are Alessandro Catalan, who hosted Italy's TRL and X Factor Italia, and Mika, who is potentially the best known uh, of the hosts to Americans, given that he's best known for the song Grace Kelly, which had a pop-up on TikTok last year. Oh, it did? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was like a whole thing. Yeah. I'm just not up on the TikTok uh, hit, hit machine, I guess. <laughs> I am in a relationship where one of us is is the hunter and goes out and finds the good tweets, and one of us is the gatherer and collects all the good TikToks. But yeah, Mika was a judge for a few years on X Factor Italia, which is why he's probably well-known in Italy, and then also on France's The Voice, where he was the coach for Jean's Tears in 2019. Yeah, a lot of X Factor connections, I'm noticing, which I guess kind of makes sense, since that's where Monoskin got their big break. Yeah, I don't know if that was intentional or if it's a case of everybody who's anybody in Italy ends up on X Factor at some point. Something like that. Random connection, just thinking about John's Tears, is uh, two Looniverse popped up at the Olympics as a skating program song. Yeah, there are a couple of songs that are in the skating programs. Helen, who's uh, been on the show a couple of times, follows ice skating quite closely and has been uh, tweeting all of the Eurovision in the wild about it. We don't really have time for Eurovision in the wild because there's just plenty of Eurovision. And it's funny that the Olympics are happening at the same time because it feels like this is the Olympic-like part of the selection season process. We had a handful of songs that were selected for this year's competition. Starting that off this past weekend was North Macedonia. They had an online 
contest where six songs were competing. And the winner of that process was Andrea and her song Circles. The way that the voting worked for this process, there was a public vote and there was also a jury. The split ended up creating a tie. There was the song Superman by Victor, which was getting a little bit of Twitter play because it was kind of ridiculous. Since there was a tie, it came down to a jury tiebreaker. I find it a little weird when the jury's a tiebreaker, but... Uh huh. There's something that feels wrong to me about the jury being the tiebreak. Even if the song that potentially would win out of the the televote is a little ridiculous, like there, there's a lot of people on the televote. When I hear a song titled Circles, I tend to think of the Strong Bad Homestar Runner acoustic jam Circles. It turned out that was not that far off from this version of Circles. I could sort of see that. We'll have a link to the Strong Bad version uh, in the show notes. This relationship is going around in circles, and it's just like, okay. Yeah, the song kind of goes around in circles, too. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, and like, it's a small loop. It needs one more verse or one more bridge or something that's a little less repetitive. They have a lot of time to work through this, because the videos were, uh, everybody was standing in front of a green screen uh, as the l- lyrics were printed out on the bottom. I think they have a canvas to work with, and they've got like six weeks to finalize things. I think I haven't said anything like, well, the song has good bones this Eurovision season. This song feels like it has some decent bones they can work with. And Andrea seems like a capable singer. So that'll be one to watch, perhaps, I hope. Yeah, I hope. Over in Ireland, they brought back their national selection process that takes place on the Late Late Show, which is a Friday night chat show. Uh, There were six songs in contention there as well. And the voting breakdown for that included an international jury, an Irish jury, and a televote. The winner of that process was Brooke Scullion with her song, That's Rich. Now, this was happening toward the end of the workday on Friday for uh, us here in the States. Uh, did you get a chance to watch the show, Ben? I was not watching the show. I was watching Twitter, though, and a lot of chatter about the Irish jury on that one. It felt like the televote and the international jury were very much in favor of Brooke, and then the in-studio jury just got beamed in from like 2,000. 2,000 is generous, I would say. There were so many comments about... Ireland's heyday in the contest. So definitely like the mid 90s era. Okay. But... Oh, oh boy. In, in fairness, I always mentally just think that the 90s were 10 years ago, but no, like they are rapidly approaching 30 like, years, three ago. times that. Yeah. So, yeah. Really thinking about it, the last time that Ireland won was the last time there was not a televote. The game has changed quite a bit since Ireland's heyday and the domestic jury was really telling on themselves, I thought. Just talking about like, oh, Eurovision, it can be so cheesy. That was something that came up in one of the song's critiques as a form of praise for the song. 
okay. And it really just seemed like they were doing a lot of the same stuff that we criticized the UK for. And I don't know why we're not throwing that same sort of criticism towards Ireland. Especially because I feel like if we lobbed that criticism to Ireland, they would immediately fix things. I think this song could have the potential of doing that. But the thing that made it so awkward was after Brooke was announced as the winner, they were trying to go to the jury to get their response. And it's just like, oh, do you have any words of encouragement? And like they kept trying to throw it to the jury. But I don't know if there was sound problems or stage direction confusion or if the jury was maybe like, oh, we put her in second last place. What are you going to say right now? And they had Brooke perform again. And then they went to the jury for comments. The comments that they gave, like it was nice, like they were complimentary and stuff. But it also came across as very insincere because Again, they put her in second last place. Nobody agreed with you. <laughs> like, it was, it was pretty much their votes were the polar opposite of what the audience and international vote was. And it was favoring the sort of stuff where it's just like, yeah, these are like stereotypical Eurovision contenders. And not like what's actually succeeding at the contest in recent years. Right. Yeah. So it was an interesting eye-opening watch. Congratulations to Brooke for surviving that uh, for sur- Yeah, for, for, <laughs> for dealing with that. Oh, boy. Yeah, but uh, what, what do you think of the song? The song is admittedly not my flavor of pop. It feels fresh for Ireland, which is good, just sounding like it almost didn't survive the gauntlet. My main thing about this is that for a song titled That's Rich, I want the performance to feel more expensive. Oh, interesting. I don't hate the basic setup of how they stage it in studio of the pajama party sort of a deal like that feels sort of in line with yeah this is a fun way to present it but make it feel expensive or lean into the cheekiness of it like i want some of those money guns full of fake money oh that would be kind of funny yeah just like that give me like a fun banker's visor kind of a vibe unlike recent years where ireland has wanted to go a little bit more serious or like just thinking of a few years ago 22 where we didn't know what to do with that song so a diner Right. Uh, This one feels like you can lean into sort of the cheekiness of it. Brooke seems very fun as a performer. I would agree with that, yeah. And this feels very on trend with things that are happening in pop right now. I feel like last year I was also very bullish on Ireland, and then they did very complicated staging. I don't think they need to complicate this. Just have some fun with it. On the first listen, for me, it was kind of giving me Kesha vibes, like early Kesha vibes. Kind of like a Kesha or like a Charlie XCX kind of. Yeah, I agree. There could be a lot of fun with this performance. And I I have to wonder if some of the choices were just because it's the Late Late Show and they don't have the video walls and the full stage setup that you're going to have on the Eurovision stage. So give a taste of what this performance can be, but it's not going to be the full-blown Eurovision-style performance, which is fine. It's good to see growth between when the song's selected and when the song is actually competing. There are bones here, and Mm -hmm. yeah, like this feels like a very solid skeleton that Ireland can work with. Yes, but I'm also terrified based on their internal jury that they're just going to absolutely not give this the budget or the resources it needs. We will see. I think the fact that they went back to this process shows that they're at least open to the idea of changing things up because what they have been doing hasn't been working. True, but I'm also not sure that The Late Show is it, though. I heard they were going back to The Late Show. I'm like, okay, but they're going to revamp things a little bit, right? And they, it feels like, no, they're it's like, no, we brought in some people from 1993 and they're displeased. Hmm, true. Yeah, or just, yeah, they'll just bring in Nikki Byrne and Louis Walsh and don't get me started on that. <laughs> uh, it's like the same three people. And it, they had Brandon Murray back. Yeah, that, hmm. 
Yeah, that was a choice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> oh, Ireland. Yeah. Hopefully they're learning. But anyway, on to Saturday. We will have a lot to talk about on Saturday. But for the actual selections, the first one that came through was Israel's selection. They were doing their very convoluted X-Factor selection process. X-Factor obstacle course. There were eight songs, and then there were four songs, and then there were duels in the actual X-Factor finale. I was trying to watch it on Twitter, but this was also when Melfest and seven other shows were happening at the same time. So it was very difficult to see what was happening as just flying by on the screen. But ultimately, the song that won was Michael Ben David's I Am. We were rooting for Michael Ben David simply because of the fact that we could probably do something with Michael Ben David as names. But <laughs> Dave already asked to be back on the show to talk about the, the song, uh, not even listening to it, uh, just being like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, just like, yeah, I I watched the performance a few times and it's very much an X Factor song. Yeah, I, I get that. I think he's selling the song but i think it also kind of falls into that category of real housewives slash <laughs> like rupaul's drag race finale slash it could be called wig and nobody would bat an eye <laughs> <laughs> oh that that is the nail that okay so i have been sitting here going okay but like at a certain point it just turns into katie perry's swish swish that was my thought too only this time it's actually performed by a gay man instead of Katy Perry. So Yes. Right, right, but it's like swish swish, but like the B minus version of Swish Swish that like a real housewife would would immediately snap up. I don't know. I kind of think that Swish Swish is B minus by itself. But <laughs> we, we can, I really yes, dislike yes. Katy Perry, so uh-huh. that's part uh-huh. of like that, that song is, is like not her best no. work. But but no, just like it's very much single that's released the second that the contestant is sent home on drag race with, with their catchphrase. I think there's a germ of something there. I, I don't think it's DOA. I don't think it's Dead on Arrival, just because I have seen the one of the semifinals that is more built out at this point is just wild. Mm-hmm. Because it's this, it is We Are Domi, it's Andrea, it's Brooke, it's Circus Mercus. The second semifinal this year is going to be insane. Which... I'm looking forward to. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, it's going to be fun chaos, <laughs> oh. and I'm ready. Oh, man, I'm just scrolling through this list, and it's just like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And that's just the country names. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, just like how things shook out is crazy. Yeah. Is this one done on arrival? No, it feels a little too niche. I would agree with that. Yeah, one of the first tweets that I saw after it was announced that he won was somebody saying like, oh, he's going to totally Slavko the place. I cannot wait. And it's like, all right, that's pretty cool, but. Slavko did not make it out of his semi. No, no. All of the people who were voting for it were in the room at the time. I think it has slightly more limited appeal than a Eurovision winner needs to have. Oh, yeah. I I don't think of this as being a Eurovision winner. Uh, like, no, I, I, no. I think qualifying is the stretch goal here. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, qual- yeah. 
it, it's also an interesting contrast to what came out of Italy, which leads me to my next question. Cosa sta facendo Maniskin? What is Manskin doing? It is San Remo week. Uh, so where were they? They were there on the first night and performed. I had mentioned last year that I wanted to get more into San Remo this year. And oh boy, that was a great choice. Oh, good. I forgot to tune in on Tuesday, so I did miss Monoskin, but had it on in the background most other nights this week. And it's just, it's so lovely because it's just like a celebration of music. And then there's just a bunch of numbers at the end where you're not entirely sure how they come together. But Italy has such a wealth of choices. This year's field was very impressive. I, I did get to see Monoskin's performance on Tuesday. They did Zitti Buoni, brought in the orchestra to sell that last part of the song. It's like, oh, this is so good. And <laughs> I, like, I will say watching San Remo has gotten me to understand why people want the orchestra back. They, they have so much love for the orchestra, which is fantastic. They also performed a new song, uh, Coraline, and it got really emotional towards the end. And I think it was just kind of wrapping up the one-year mark of when things were really starting to take off for them. It, it was a good way to start the show and then having an incredible series of shows to follow. Five nights of just fantastic stage wear across the board. Everybody. So much sparkling on Saturday night's show. So much great sparkle. All of Amadeus's co-hosts were great. I particularly liked uh, Drusilla. A lot of different people for Amadeus to play off of. And it was very interesting to see. Also, every time that we cut over to the party boat, there's a cruise ship in the harbor and everybody is on it and things are happening. Yep. A lot of performances, continuing sparkle themes. My favorite ended up not being in that final three. Uh, I really liked uh, Representante de Lista's uh, Chow Chow. Like, that was just fun. That would have been a fun one to send. Uh, Kimika? Kimika was just fun. That one didn't catch my fancy the way that it seemed to catch everybody else's fancy, but... It was still a lively performance. Like, I don't think there was any song where it's like, oh, what's this doing here? Johnny, what's his face that was trying to get as that was apparently being paid per word. He finished much higher in the standings than I expected. And that was the thing that I th found most interesting about San Remo this year in that when they were doing the final standings on Saturday, I always look forward to it because there's usually a lot of booing and outrage, but it seemed like there was such consensus this year that most of the audience reaction was just like, oh, and, and that somebody had to finish 25th. And then mm -hmm. a couple of like, oh, when somebody was just like, oh, good for them. They finished a little bit higher than I would have expected. So, <laughs> Yeah, just like generally a, a very supportive audience. The selection is Mahmoud E. Bianco and Brividi. <laughs> Brevity at the time that it was announced as winner was like number six on Spotify globally. The interplay between their voices when they are doing harmonies is just really good. The falsettos are incredible, and it, uh -huh. it's showing Mahmoud having such range. Like, this is so... Uh-huh. It's so different from Soldi, but it's still, like, you. it's the same artist. 
I am very excited that they are going to Eurovision. I think this is a very good choice for the host country. Yes. Sanremo was just such a, a, a wonderful experience this year. If they could just tighten it up a little bit next year. like <laughs> Yeah, just, just like a little bit more structure to the schedule. Really, I think what I would like is if on the RAI app, if they would stop saying that the final is only going to be 210 minutes, because they do that every year. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, why do you just like, live in a world of lies? <laughs> RAI, on what earth? Does this only take 210 minutes? No, it's going to finish at like two in the morning Italian time while watching all of the, the European part of Eurovision Twitter just get more and more loopy because it's two in the morning there. And even here in the States, it's just like, OK, we started at 11. Well, I start. I don't know if you watched Estonia, but I was starting at 1130 Chicago time and it went until what, like seven, seven thirty. Like yeah. So it's just like, no, I'm, like, I'm, I'm pretty loopy at this point, too. It's like, I, well, yeah, it's like that's two separate meal times. Actually, that was something that happened during San Remo. It's like you know, about 530. I'm going to throw pizza in the oven. And mm-hmm. when... The buzzer went off for that. Like I said to Dave, there's still two more songs left. <laughs> <laughs> like, I put the pizza in because I thought all of the songs would be because done I by thought the time we were it was done. done. So. Uh, yeah. It was a good pizza, though. So. Yes. <laughs> Amongst other processes that were happening, Melfest is, is back. And also, they have launched Melopedia, a, a wiki on the actual SVT website, keeping track of all of Melfest stuff over the years. It looks like an incredible resource. You sent me a link to that. I was like, oh, this is a cool fan site. And then I very quickly realized this is on SVT's actual webpage. This is from them. Melfest in recent weeks has had to do a little bit of... Well, scrambling feels like the wrong word because I feel like the Swedes are very prepared. But they had to scrap the planned tour just because of the rise of Omicron. This year's Melfest is happening in Avicii Arena for the first half of things. And then we'll be moving over to the Friends Arena. I'm wondering if just because of whatever behind the scenes stuff they need to do... They ran into some technical issues with the app or just weren't expecting all the people to to land on the app at the same time. I've been there with app launches. That's always very fraught. But the app had issues during voting, which that was like a very big part of the voting. So the only thing that was counted this week was televotes. I'm wondering how that affected various voting things with this particular batch of songs. But Sweden felt looser. This week, they felt a little bit more like you could see them paddling like hell underneath the surface of the water. I wasn't really intending on watching Sweden and or at least watching it very closely this year, just because like there's so much other stuff going on. But seeing how Twitter was reacting on Saturday, it's like, oh, there seems to be something going on here that is not good news. (laughs) I mean, you've got a new producer that's in there and introducing a lot of new changes to the overall structure of how the contest works. So yeah, all these changes and then the unexpected-ish changes getting thrown their way. It's just like, like they're still got to put on a show. Like it has to go on at 9 p.m. Yeah, it felt a little bit more SNL than usual over at Melfest. Overall, I'm interested to see how this continues to progress, especially now that they've got the first week jitters out of the way. Ultimately, I think, for the most part, the right songs made it through this batch. I had a, a few places of, of difference. The one that I saw, the internet just sort of going... Bananas just, for? No. Yeah, going... Well, <laughs> I didn't want to say bananas because Malo Priest's Bananas was not particularly great. That was not her song. Sorry, Malo Priest. No. 
I had focused on San Remo and Latvia and knew that I could come back and watch Sweden whenever and was fully prepared to go and be like, no, Malibu Priest is great. And then I watched the song. I was like, okay, this is not, I get why we're trying this, but this is not what's, what's working. When the artists were announced, I was surprised there wasn't a Clara Klingenstrom song on there because she had sort of come out of nowhere to really be part of the conversation. We'll see if she pops back next year with another great song. But uh, Cornelia Jacobs's Hold Me Closer had the same kind of vibe of much simpler and it didn't feel like your average Malfest song. So I was thrilled when it was the first one announced as through with the new voting method. She was thrilled as well. Like she like fell to the floor and was really grabbed. It's like, ah! And it's like, oh, wow, this feels like a very genuine moment. Very happy for her. And yeah, I think that was the correct first place song for Saturday's Heat. Agreed. I'm not sure I would have sent Robin Bankson direct to final with Innocent Love feels like a medley of three different songs. It's, it's not his best work. Good for him. He'll be in the final. Theoz's Somme de Ville. Very happy that's getting a second chance just because it was a very fun Swedish dance track. And, and between that and uh, Dandy Danza last year, apparently that's just a subgenre of Melfest thing I like. Uh, the other one going through the second chance run was Don Estrahid's Halabaloo. I feel like Melfest has slots it fills every year. And that one definitely fills the the older singer, kind of folkier slot, but it was not to my taste. I have to wonder if maybe the app breakdown worked in his favor, because I, I have to imagine that the app is going to bias Skew a little younger, bit more. Yeah. yeah. There was a song that very much reminded me of like years and years and what Alia Alexander is doing that I thought was probably going to be, if not an auto-qualifier, certainly a second chance. And that one was like just placed out of it. It would not surprise me if app issues and the change in voting. Yeah. Also... There was a very good Eric Sada medley that happened as like an interval act. It had the fun group vibe for all of his songs, sort of like workshopping them. If they had done that staging for every minute instead of the weird sweater vest, Sweden might have done something different last year. I don't know. That song is still very horny on me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a less weird vibe without the sweater vest. Hopefully Sweden will be able to figure stuff out between now and the next heat. Still a good start to the Swedish selection season. Sweden, you know that you're going to get 28 very solid pop songs, and I think we are still in for that. Over in Slovenia, which is what I was watching instead of Melfest, and I believe I was the only person who was watching it, <laughs> uh, the Emma process got started. This was the first of two semifinals with 10 acts competing for six slots. Not a ton to report out. The, the full songs weren't available ahead of time, so it was... Felt a little bit more like browsing what Slovenia has to offer. And I just really dig Slovenia's vibe and brand where it's a lot of angst-ridden relationships and somebody playing a keyboard of some sort. Nothing immediately jumped out as, yes, this is going to be the winner. I was switching back and forth between Slovenia and Latvia, but the production value at Slovenia is looking really nice too. The stage looks really awesome. They've got a lot of great graphics going on. Hopefully people will be able to check out Slovenia, either the semifinal coming up this Saturday or the final of the week after. Give them a little bit of attention. They're doing some good work over there. Another one that I would highly suggest doing some, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and say good work, doing some good work, doing some fun work. I watched Latvia instead of Sweden, and that was a delightful semifinal. 17 acts of so many different varieties, so many different styles, and just so many fun performances. I have finally heard the remaining two minutes and 40 seconds of Eat Your Salad, and I believe I called it Oops All Mark Ronsons. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> the rest of the song does not match the shock value of the first 20 seconds. If not for those first 20 seconds, I feel like you could put it on whatever Latvian Sesame Street is as a healthy eating sort of a deal. It's more of a PSA than I expected it to be. Mm, and yeah, I, I get that vibe. It, it's for me, the, the school that I went to had a very large vegetarian and vegan population and student co-ops. And I was in the student co-ops my entire time there. So this just felt like a theme song that probably would have come <laughs> up during special meal one weekend. And <laughs> it was just like, yes, I am totally on board with this. How has this song not already existed? So like, I, I am fully on board, but I have a feeling it's kind of in the middle of the table right now. There were a number of other, I wouldn't necessarily say party, but like more Eurovision-y uh, or Latvia Eurovision-y performances that were uh, in the mix. Yes. I liked all of them. My only critique of most of them is more of the lyrics need to be in Latvian so I cannot hear how dumb the lyrics are in English. I'm loving the vibe. I'm loving the song. But also, I cannot handle these lyrics in English. Please move some of them to Latvian. Bouillons. When that one came around the corner of like the artist parade and it was and you could tell that like somebody in the group had said okay everybody giggle like we just said something funny like the second before they turned the corner yeah. <laughs> like like the high school drama club yes. I, I was just like oh, what that, i was like what's yes. their story yeah. <laughs> if you enjoyed fear Flama but wanted it to be less coherent here's a group for you and i loved it I loved it, and I'm just like, oh man, this is not going to win, but I'm gonna, but I do want to see it again. It's it's in the running. The Amanada song is also very good, and she did that live from her house with COVID. Oh my goodness, they were still keeping the staging elements, like they had her on a central video screen on the stage, but still doing the lighting effects and. You could have told me that this was an intentional form of staging and it would have been just as effective instead of it being like, oh, we need some sort of backup plan because she can't be here live. That was phenomenal. I loved her so much. There was just such a wealth of styles. You had Maceus Milam with their song Rich Itch, which was not my favorite, but I thought their staging was very intriguing and in that whoever the singer was was like not on stage most of the time. It felt very early 80s MTV video in terms of the staging of the song. For whatever reason, my brain was just like, this is like the Dire Straits, despite the fact that the only Dire Straits video I've seen is Money for Nothing. I need to go back and watch that full performance because I think I was switching back and forth between five different screens at that point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, drag queen, cool, next, go. <laughs> like a very great array of performers. And like when it got to the end of like, oh, oh no. No one else is going through. I, there are at least two other bands that I wanted to see make it there. Some very interesting choices. And again, I'm very excited that we get another chance to see some of those performances on this coming weekend. Good job, Latvia. I'm so glad Supernova's back. Also coming back is Romania's selection process, Selexia Nationala. They're changing up the way that they've done it in the past. The first part is a sort of online semifinal. There are 45 songs that are part of the long list for this process. It was 46. Somebody dropped out. Thank you, that one person. <laughs> like, anything to make that list a little bit shorter is appreciated. <laughs> 45 is a, is a large number for uh, up for consideration. Yes. And uh, the way it's working is this week, 
Those songs are up for a public vote, and five of them will advance on that public vote. Fifteen more will be selected by a jury, so there's going to be a semifinal of 20 songs total, which will be happening this coming Saturday. After that semifinal, ten songs will be picked by the jury to advance. There won't be any sort of public input for that part of the process. Those ten finalists will compete on March 5th to be Romania's representative at Eurovision. A lot of the songs are available on Spotify. We've got so many songs at this point, (laughs) and it looks like we're going to be getting more this week. Yes. Amongst all of the actual national fives that were happening, Ruve aired a program announcing their 10 songs for this year and introducing the artists. I found it very charming. The last couple of years for both Hatari and Dathi Frere, the Icelandic bus system has had a special bus. And for the special, they did a Song of the Captain 2022 bus that would pick up each of the contestants and they would interview them on the bus. Oh, that's cute. It was real cute. And then like they ended up with the bus going to Roof's new TV studio, which is going to be the host site of this year's competition, as opposed to the two venues they've used in the past. So it was, it was a nice introduction to that. They had decked out the bus with a bunch of like those very shiny streamers and a bunch of disco balls. They've got some... Very interesting names in the mix for this year. I've not listened to any of the full songs because I've realized this Eurovision season that I just want to be surprised when I first hear something. Some of the names in the mix for Iceland this year, Marketa Irglova, who has an Oscar for Falling Slowly from Once. Oh. She's a co-writer on that song. Oh, wow. I think she's partially Icelandic or she's at least lived in Iceland since 2012. Okay. I know her because Iceland Airwaves did a live from Reykjavik a few years ago after Airwaves had to not happen due to COVID. One of the things was the Marketa Irglova and Friends. Oh, cool. Or it was just like her and a bunch of other local musicians. And then the other name that's very intriguing to me and that feels the most spiritually like the inheritor of the Hatari to Dothi Frere to whatever else pipeline is Daughters of Reykjavik, who are an Icelandic hip-hop crew. Huh. And like that one's going to be real interesting to watch. Like that is the one I have my eye on, although they have a few other real characters in the mix. So again, I just I'm going to go in and be surprised in a few weeks when we hear these songs for the first time in Icelandic. Oh, can't wait. It's going to be fun. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And then other songs that are dropping Serbia's songs are dropping as this episode goes live. And as of Thursday, we will also have access to Germany, Denmark and Croatia's songs. So just a lot of stuff happening. Oof. Yeah, uh, uh, last check of our Spotify list of selection season, we've passed the 250 songs mark, and there's still like hundreds that we have not heard yet. Or yeah, th- <laughs> like there are still processes where we're where we were saying, okay, but like, que vous décidez? It's just like France. When? Yes. When France? <laughs> when are we deciding? Could you put that on the calendar and have it not be a Saturday? That'd be great for me. That would, that would be great for everybody. Please, not not a Saturday. No, no, no samedi, s'il vous plaît. And Norway, their process is continuing. Notice the change of tone and voice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, this past Saturday was the last heat with new songs. Yeah, the only thing that I watched on Saturday's performance was the Subwoofer performance. Um, yeah, oh yes, same. I know that somebody made it through the heat, but I mostly just watched the, the Subwoofer performance because I'm trying to figure out who they are. So there were some promo shots that looked like they were from a rehearsal where they were in yellow suits instead of the black suits, and I like the yellow suits more. Like, it, it, it ties in with the the weird wolf mask things. 
I feel like for the last year and a half, we've been saying, send send the Masked Singer winner. Yes. And and again, the monkey's paw has curled the finger. And I don't know. Like This one feels... Like, the staging is, is ready to go. Yeah. The song is goofy, but in a way that works. Of the things that we have heard from Norway, it's the one that has appealed to me the most. So I, I don't know. I'm Team Subwoofer. Yeah, I think that's where I've landed as well. It's the only song from this process that is really stuck in my head at all. And I'm also curious to see how this progresses through the rest of the Eurovision process. Are they going to continue to be mystery figures until May? Are they going to go to fan events? Like, it, it, there, There's a lot of potential here for very weird things to happen, which I am all for. Like, I mean, really, the whole concept of the performance is playing around with a lot of the new rules and guidelines that are in play, like using pre-recorded vocals. And the fact that we're not actually seeing anybody singing, it's playing with the form, and Mm -hmm. I want to see how that works, and kind of the memification of how that works. There's something that does feel like a weird updating of Love, Love, Peace, Peace going on, where just like, this makes no sense, but I love it. As this episode drops, there was the wild card show that happened on Monday, where the songs that did not qualify for the grand final were all put up for a vote, and four of the songs advanced to Saturday's show, where they will do another heat, just like the previous heats, where it's two duels and then the gold duel. Whoever wins out on that process will be the last entrant into the grand final. We don't know who any of these people are yet, because we are recording this on Sunday. (laughs) So good luck to everyone. Other stuff that is happening on Saturday. We've got a bunch of finals that are going to be coming up. Estonia will be wrapping up Eesti Lal. They had their two semifinals this past week. They had to use a lot of music videos as backup performances because a handful of contestants tested positive for COVID. So, <sighs> just a, just a big old yikes to, to to Estonia. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully everybody gets well soon. It'll be a field of 10 songs that are competing, and a couple of the acts that advanced were those backup performances. So it'll be interesting to see how this what final plays out. Like, it's it, yeah. And then over in Lithuania, they had their second semifinal on Saturday, and Monica Liu, she crushed it. She got 44% of the televote and won the jury, so she definitely won the semifinal, and I think might be the favorite to win at this point. I think it's down to her and Lolita Zero. I would be fine with either of those entries. I think I'd actually kind of prefer Monica's entry. Like, I think there's just a fun sense of humor about it, and it's not as uh, challenging, I think. (laughs) Like, this feels a little bit more straightforward than what Lolita's doing. Uh, Yes. Is there a part of me that would love to see Lolita Zero on the stage in Turin? Yes. Do I think that that has a snowball's chance in heck of appealing to enough of an audience for it to make the grand final? Probably not. Yeah, especially, wait, are, is Lithuania in the crazy final? Or is the semifinal? Um, oh, no, they're in the challenging no, semifinals. So, no, they're, yeah. they're in the one that is looking like it might be, they're, like, semifinal one is looking like it's going to be the heartbreaker, just with the, the various entries that are there, mm-hmm. or the various countries that are there, since we don't really have entries yet. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I would be fine with either. I think I'm rooting for Monica, because that song's really grown on me. It, it definitely had an impression on me in its first final, and I was very excited to see it make it through, and to recognize that, oh, the name that is at the top of the list, each of these 
semis has been hers, and that's the song I liked. It's a good field. It should be a good show. I'm not worried. Like, really, whoever wins, I think they're going to do a great job representing Lithuania. You'll find someone to root for. Like, there, there yeah. are a lot of options there. And then Ukraine will have their Vidbeer process on Saturday. And it's just a one-show deal. No semifinals. It'll be eight acts that are competing. It's always an interesting process. It'll be watchable on YouTube, so that, that'll be handy. But it will be a long process, even though it's only eight songs. Typically, Vidbeer allots about a half hour per entry because there is this kind of inquisition portion where everything from art direction to the politics of the participant to wardrobe, really anything and everything is up for discussion. And um, I like that you went with interrogation. I was like Socratic dialogue. Of just <laughs> Yeah, that, that might be a better way of, of describing it. But it's, uh, it's just sort of like an open conversation between the jury and the performer for far longer than you would expect it to take. Where it's like, could this happen before the, the live portion on television? <laughs> it's fun when you get to the fifth or sixth person in the lineup and they just have this look on their face. It's like, I don't want to go through this. <laughs> <laughs> just... Where this is somehow not what they signed up for. <laughs> right, right. It's just this kind of like deer in the headlights look. It's, it's fun. I just wanted to play my fun song on my ukulele. The big process that will be starting on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> the big process from the smallest nation. Yep. Una voce per San Marino, which will have 75 competitors when this is all said and done. The big artists are going to be named this week. These are nine auto qualifiers who are established artists. Then the other 66 artists are in the emerging artist category. And there are going to be a series of heats one day after another to break down this field. So 60 of the emerging artists are from outside San Marino. Uh, they will be broken up into three groups of 20. Those are the first three nights. Uh, six of the artists are from San Marino, so they will have their own domestic heat. Uh, there will also be a second chance round. There will be nine acts advancing in total from the emerging artist category. So it will be a final of 18 that will be competing on February 19th. Knowing that this is happening in San Marino, a country entirely within the borders of Italy, makes me wish there was an even smaller country within the boundaries of San Marino having an even more complicated process. Yes. <laughs> Just sort of a, a nesting doll of like ever-increasingly complicated San Remo festivals. Yes, yes. Eventually it's going to end up getting into quarks or something. <laughs> it's just like, oh, this this is the part of quantum theory that we need to understand. So, <laughs> Just like, it's Valentina Moneta's house and I'm somehow a contestant. Congratulations, John Malkovich. You are representing San Marino at Eurovision. <laughs> <laughs> I think he would do it. So, <laughs> oh, oh, he would do it and it would be great. Yeah. Who knows? He could be in the big artist category. We don't know yet. Mm -hmm. so. <laughs> we don't know yet. They haven't announced. <laughs> this was so many things, and there are so many things to come. We're, what, a third of the way through the process? Not even? <laughs> Not even. Not even a third of the way through the process. We have a few more weekends of this to go. It's going to be busy, but it's been fun so far. So. <laughs> yes, it has been very fun so far. Uh, we need to get back to working on our double axles for uh, Milan. So that's going to do it for this episode of the EuroWhat. Thanks for listening. The EuroWhat podcast is hosted by Ben Smith. That's me. And Mike McComb. That's me. 
Show notes are in the description of this episode and on our website at eurowhat.com. While you're there, hit the subscribe button and check out our Patreon page for our upcoming bonus episode about Eurovision at the 2022 MIT Mystery Hunt. Have you spotted any Eurovision in the wild? Let us know at Eurowhat on Twitter or email eurowhatpodcast at gmail.com. As we record this, we're up to nine songs and 14 acts for this year's contest. We'll see what gets added to the list next week and try to make sense of what's new in Eurovision. 